Praise God, Father God, we thank you. Thank you for a new opportunity to come into your house, to worship you, and to speak your word that you have given to the church this morning. We pray, God, that our ears would be open. And Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for all that you've done for us this week and will do in the days to come. In Christ's name, amen. amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on this subject, the great escape. The great escape. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 17 and 18 reads, in the easy translation, it so happened that after Pharaoh released the people, God didn't lead them by the road through the land of the Philistines, which was the shortest route. For God thought, if the people encounter war, they'll change their minds and go back to Egypt. So God led the people on the wilderness road, looping around to the Red Sea. The Israelites left Egypt in military formation. Exodus 13 and 18 in a different translation says this, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. The word harnessed here means they were in battle array. They went in groups of five. We don't know if that was five men or five battalions, but it was groups of five and they were armed with swords. And in Exodus 13 and 20, and they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. Now, you know, I've always said that names have a meaning. The word Sukkoth, where they were, means temporary shelter. Very important. Temporary and shelter. It was the first stopping place of the Israelites when they left Egypt. And it was eight more miles to the place called Etham. Now, Etham means plowshare. It means to go forward. The Bible says no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So you have the first two words here, Sukkoth, okay, which means temporary shelter. They weren't going to stay there too long. They went to Etham, which was eight miles away, and that word means plowshare, which means God was saying, let's go forward. Let's go. And he's saying that to the church. He's saying that to you and I. Let's go forward, okay? And they went where? To the edge, to the border, the extremity of the wilderness, which was inhabited land. So here's what Pharaoh was thinking. Pharaoh was probably right, so God changed his course, okay? Uh, leading the Egyptians to believe that the children of Israel were either lost or lost their minds. Why are we going around the long way when the shortest distance between two points is a straight line? Why are we doing this? God's ways are not yours. God's thoughts are not yours. Praise God. All right. God knew they were not prepared for a war against the Egyptians because they were tired. They were afflicted. They suffered for a long time, even though they were armed, even though they were in a military fashion, even though they had swords. God knew they were not in a place to do war. I want you I want to stop here for a moment. It was like God was giving them a break from battle, even though they were armed. And you know, sometimes I think that happens to you and I. Sometimes you fight so hard. You fast, you pray, you seek the Lord. You do what you're supposed to do before God. But you get so tired. Your, your arms are weary. They're hanging down by the sides of, of your body. 
And I believe sometimes God pulls you off the field. I believe he pulls you off that military uh, situation and says, listen, you need a break. You know, in the army, they call it rest and recuperate, uh, recuperation, R&R. And sometimes we don't really realize that as Christians, we are soldiers of the Lord. We are in the army of God. And sometimes we need R&R. And sometimes God says, you know what? You're not ready for war right now. It's not that you don't want to go to war. It's not that you're not a Christian or you love God. It's like God is saying, you know what, daughter? You know what, son? It's time to sit down for a few moments so I can give you a break and shelter you in the name of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to you this morning? And that's what he was doing with the children of Israel. But here's the main theme. They were led by God. Exodus 14 and 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Piahiroth, before between Migdal and the sea over to Beelzephon, before it shall encamp, before it shall you encamp by the sea. Now, let me give you three more words here. The word Piahiroth, okay, Piahiroth, it's a hard word to say. It means place of liberty. Okay, the word Migdol means a tower or fortress. And the word Beelzephon means judgment. So here's what God was saying. I'm going to give you a place of liberty. I'm going to be your fortress going through the Red Sea. And I'm going to judge the Egyptians. Every word has meaning here. Okay, God in chronological order is saying to the Jewish people, Moses understood this because Moses understood the language. He was a very learned person, a very educated person. And Moses knew what God was saying. I'm going to give you liberty, son. I'm going to give you freedom. I called you for this moment to release my people, to let the people go. And I'm going to be a tower or fortress to you. And praise God, before the day is over, I'm going to bring judgment upon the Egyptians that have made you suffer for so many years. Does that make sense to you this morning? God was leading them, but he was putting his people between a rock and a hard place. What do you mean? Between two mountains, a mountain on one side, a mountain on the other, and the Red Sea in front of them, and they have no boat or canoe to get over. Think about that for a moment. Does God have a sense of humor or what? I mean, does God do things like, like, like spontaneous? Yes, he does. Does God do things that are exciting? You know, people say the Bible isn't exciting. Praise God. But here's what God was saying. He, was, he told them, turn off from the road that they were following, okay? Exodus 13 and 20, I told you that. He says, he was saying this. They couldn't go any farther, okay, as the road ended. There's nowhere to go now. And sometimes you're in a situation between a rock and a hard place, and you have nowhere to go. You have no idea what you're going to be doing, and you have no idea why God is leading you around the long way and not the short way. Come on. <laughs> Lord, this does not make sense to the human mind. And God said it's not supposed to make sense to your human mind. That's why you're finite and I'm infinite. Just follow me. That's what God was saying to Moses. He said to the people, just tell them. So, so we might ask this question. Why does God allow this? To test, to test our faithfulness to him and to show that he is God. Two reasons. To test our faithfulness and to show that he is God. Sometimes God gives us impossible situations. So in, in uh, Exodus chapter 13, 14, excuse me, in verse 3, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. You see, right here, Pharaoh thinks, I got them. Come on, think about this. Mountains on either side, the Red Sea in front of them, no way to get over. Here's what Pharaoh is thinking. I got them now. 
These people are dead ducks in the water. They're not even going to do nothing now because, man, I am Pharaoh and I have a large army. And it says, and God said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them and I will be honored on Pharaoh and on all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. You know what God was saying? I'm putting a hook in the nose of Pharaoh to come and persecute and follow the Jewish people on purpose because I'm going to show him he's not God. He might think he's the leader of this world right now in the book, in Egypt, but I want to let him know that the gods that he believed was in that river and all of that nonsense that he believed in all those idols, I'm going to show him there is a God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm going to show him that I am the boss, that I'm in control, and he has no power against the power of God. That's what the church needs to hear this morning, that we have power with God, we have power with men, and the enemy has no power against the church unless we relinquish that power and give him our freedom and give him our liberty and give him our power. Plagues were a warning to Pharaoh. A warning. He didn't get the warning. He didn't get the message. He didn't get the memo. Even when his son got killed, when, when God took the firstborn, praise God, he was bent on what? Human reasoning. Did he think that God would forget the apple of his eye? The Bible tells us in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, for, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory has he sent me to the nations which spoiled you, for he that touches you touches the apple of my eye. We're the apple of his eye. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus. It's not just the Jewish people. It's us Gentiles that have been grafted into the vine. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And we are the apple of his eye. And people need to be real careful on how they treat a child of God. The Bible said it's better to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea than to offend one of these little ones. We are the children of God. We are the priesthood of God. Hallelujah. We are the descendants and the inheritance, praise God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we will do the will of God because God is our fortress and God gives us liberty and God will judge the enemies that come against us. This was God's plan to put a hook into the nose of Pharaoh to visit judgment upon him and his army. God warned, God warned Pharaoh many times, but he didn't heed the warnings, Pharaoh. Something had to be done to humble the king. God had to touch him and touch his army. God had to remove the fear, praise God, from the people of God. We're warned many times, do we listen? We must listen to the voice of God. We must allow God to touch our lives and touch us in our spirit. We can't be like the children of Israel as they end up and they start to criticize God because they think there's no way out. Listen, my friend, you might be in a predicament this morning. You might be in a situation that doesn't have human reasoning to answer the question for you and solve the problem, but I want to tell you this morning, based on all the years that I've been a Christian, since 25 years old, I'm 74 years old now, God will never let you down, God will lead you, praise God, it may not be the way you want it, it may not be the way you designed it, but God will lead you by the power of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, and this is what this is all about, God wants to lead the last day church. They went to Pharaoh in verse 5. And they told the king that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? He was mad. Why are we letting them go? 
Because <laughs> you have no control over it, but, right. sir. Okay? Here, listen what the Lord wants to say here. Praise God. Satan says the same thing about us Christians. He says, why, why, why did I let them go? Why did I let them get saved? What, what, why? I, I'm really unhappy about this. You see, the enemy is not happy this morning that you, praise God, are a child of God. He's very unhappy. Hallelujah. And so he says, he says this. He says, I, I got to get those Christians back. I, I got to get those people back. That's why he's so maniacal against you. That's why he does everything in this situation to seduce you, to come back to him, to try to wear you down, weary your mind, touch your faith, make you doubt, make you fear, make you afraid. But praise God, listen, God is saying, I got your child, I have your son, I've got your daughter in the palm of my hand, and he will not be able to pluck you out. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by shall any means hurt you. Praise God. This is what God is saying to the church this morning and we're forgetting that message Pharaoh was so bent on getting the Jewish people in verse 6 of Exodus 14 the Bible said he made ready his chariot I'll explain that and he took his people with him he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains, every one of them. You know what the word that he made his chariot ready? It means he harnessed his, cha his chariot. He didn't ask his servants to go get his military ch uh, 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 chariot ready. He was so bent on getting the Jews, he said, I'll do it myself. I got to go after those people, and my army is coming with me. Some people say it might have been an army of 200,000. That's how bent he was. And if you think he was bent on getting the Jewish people, Satan is more bent on getting you this morning right. and getting your family and your children and everything you own and everything that you've worked hard for. Listen to what the pastor's saying this morning through the Lord. The enemy wants to be relentless. He wants you to think there's no way out. He wants you to think that this is not possible to even live this day that we're living in, in America. It's changed so much. But I want to tell you, we are living, praise God, and we're living in Christ, and we're living by the power of the Holy Spirit because, praise God, we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And hallelujah, that blood, hallelujah, hallelujah, that bloodline is around us. That bloodline is on the death, the lentils of your home and on the doorposts of your heart. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that the devil and every demon is afraid of. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. He trembles at the name of Jesus. Listen to what God is saying. Pharaoh was so intent on getting the Jews, he harnessed his own chariot, which means he got his own chariot ready. Isn't the enemy of our soul preparing against God's people? Yes, he is. Praise the Lord. And it looks sometimes as though our back is up against the wall and we're facing the Red Sea with mountains on either side. But I want to tell you something. God has a plan, and it's called Operation Evacuation. <laughs> I said God has a plan, hallelujah, and it's called Operation Evacuation. 
Come on, my friend. This is the great escape. Hallelujah. Oh, it happened in the Old Testament, and it's going to happen again in the New Testament. Hallelujah. And maybe not too long down the road, operation evacuation is about to come to pass. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. The enemy pursues in verse 8, and the Lord hardened the heart of the king of Egypt, and he pursued against the children of Israel. And the children of Israel, listen to this, went out with a high hand. This is very important. This is a very important point. He pursued them because, like I said, he put a hook in the nose of Pharaoh to come against the Jews. And God is putting a hook in the nose of people today, politicians, people who are just not for God, anti-Christ. He's putting a hook in their nose to come against the church. Don't think it's strange that persecution will come to the church in America. God's doing it on purpose. He's allowed. He allowed Pharaoh to go uh, follow the Jewish people. He allowed that because you know why? He put a hook in his nose. He says, come on, come on, come on. You think you've got power? And he's saying the same thing to this world and especially in America today. These people, these governors, these folks that think they have all of this power. God's putting a hook in their nose. Oh, you can't have church. You can't sing. You must do this. You must do that. Guess what? Hallelujah. You're not the boss. But here's what God's doing. He's bringing you to the Red Sea. Hallelujah. He's bringing you to the place between a rock and a hard place. He's bringing you so he can put judgment upon you because you are not acting correctly against the church and against God's people who are his children. Can you say amen this morning? The Bible says he pursued them. That means he went with intent to harm. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Make no mistake about that. This is not a game. This is a war. People think this is a game, that everything is going to be okay. No, you are in a spiritual war. And most people who sit in churches this morning have no idea about spiritual warfare because no one talks about it. But I want to tell you, praise God, we're in a spiritual warfare. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. This is what Paul the Apostle warned the church. People are not listening. They're not listening. I told you a few months ago, prophetically, that the enemy is coming in the front door. He's taking your kids. He's taking people's kids. He's taking our homes, our finances. He's taking our faith. And people just sit there at their kitchen table drinking coffee, thinking, hey, I don't need God. I don't need church. Listen, the church can't save you. But I tell you what, the church can be a refuge. Hallelujah. The church can be a fortress for you. And the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord, can be your encouragement. Sitting in their kitchens. Wondering, what am I going to do with this kid? What am I going to do with my husband? What am I going to do with my wife? Get yourself to church, praise God, and come to the altar and seek God, hallelujah, and seek the love of your brethren, of your brothers and sisters in Christ, and praise God. Maybe the answer will show up. They went out with a high hand. You know what that means? Defiantly. Defiantly. Triumphantly. Without looking back. And with boldness. Now, hold that thought as I preach here for a bit. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army, and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pahiaroth and Baalzephon. Here's what God is saying. The enemy is pursuing us, and that's why God warns us in 1 Peter 5 and 8. He says this, be sober, be vigilant. 
Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. That's why we must claim the first part of James 4, 7. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. This is a promise in God's word. We can't get lazy spiritually. I said we can't become apathetic. When you don't use your body and your muscles, atrophy takes place. And we don't use your spiritual muscles, praise God. Spiritual atrophy takes place. And little by little, the enemy comes through the back door and he saps your joy and your strength and your faith. And all of a sudden, now you're in a controversy with God and you're thinking, well, God doesn't love me. And now you're believing lies and you're agreeing with those lies because the enemy has set you up to seduce you and take you out. Listen, you're no match for the enemy and neither am I. But with the power of God, he cannot defeat us. I said, we are no match for the enemy. But when the Holy Spirit is upon us and God begins to speak, praise God, and he begins to demonstrate his power, the enemy, praise God, is under our feet in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's where we need to put him. Faith brings God in on the problem. But fear and unbelief shuts him out. Say that again. I said, faith brings God in on the problem, but fear and unbelief shuts him out. The enemy is nearby, and all that they professed in verse 8 has now disappeared. Listen, and when Pharaoh in verse 10 drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. What does that mean? Listen. In a prior verse that I just read, they went out defiantly, triumphantly, looking, not, not looking back, and praise God with boldness. And now they're crying, so afraid, which means exceedingly afraid, abundantly afraid, greatly afraid, in awe and astonished. And they're crying out to the Lord like a child crying out, Daddy, Daddy, the bully is after me. What happened to the high hand? And that's what's happening to a lot of people that call themselves Christians. The least little thing that happens. The least little thing that happens. Oh my God, the world is over. My world is over. God's not working. I, I, I prayed five minutes ago and I did not get an answer. So I, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed in God. I'm disappointed in the church. Nobody calls me. No one's praying for me. Listen, I want to tell you, prayer meetings are going on here every week, three times a week. Hallelujah. Praise God. Never indict the church. Praise God. Never indict the pastor. Never indict the, the praise God, the intercessor. Because prayer is going on and we are praying for people here. Praying for you. Praying for your loved ones. Praying for unsaved lovers. Praying for the young. Praying for the women. And all those prayer requests. You know what the problem? I want to tell you the problem. The difference between being a victim and a person of power is the choice that we make at the moment. You see, the children of Israel acted like victims, and Moses had to deal with powerlessness. Listen, listen. Because all he could do is depend on God, because many times the victim does not want you to be a person of power in their life. We must be, praise God, hallelujah, sensitive to powerlessness because sometimes we cannot help someone that does not want help. Victims. Playing the victim. In the drama triangle. Lord have mercy. When is the church going to grow up? When are grown people going to grow up? It's time, friends. 
It's time. It's time. It's time to get beyond feelings. It's time to get beyond emotions. It's time to get into faith and say, God, I don't care what anyone says or does, how or what they don't do. Praise God. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to get to the other side. I'm here to cross over on dry ground. Hallelujah. I'm here, praise God, to be a Christian. Hallelujah. Of power and of intent. Cry babies. Crying about their problems. Crying. Well, do something about it. Do something about it. Oh, that means work. Oh, you pray for me. No, no, no. Yeah. No, you, you, you come and pray with us. Come on. You pray for me. Praise the Lord. So the people complain. Listen to what they're saying. Here's those that came out with a high hand. Listen. And they said to Moses in verse 11, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Poor pastor. Lord, mercy. Why have you dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Oh, let's go back to that old menu, garlic, leeks, and onions. Oh, I'm so excited, praise God, to go get some garlic, leeks, and onions for lunch. I just can't wait to get to my next meal. Enough bad breath to kill millions of people. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Garlic, leeks, and onions. What a what 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 a menu. Well, think about that Poor Moses. How quickly they forgot the past. They saw all the plagues. God protected them from every one of them. Their cattle, the, the, Jew, the, the Egyptians' cattle died, theirs didn't. Their kids died, they didn't. They had lice, flies, fleas, whatever. Didn't come to the Jewish people. Oh, we forgot how quickly we played the victim. They would rather be slaves to Pharaoh again than fight and stand for their freedom that God promised them. Hey, listen, my, my heart was warm this morning when I saw this picture of that bridge up in Canada where the truckers are are making a stand and the police are coming. And you know who stood between the police and the truckers? Praise God. No, veterans, Brother Jim. Veterans, army veterans standing there in line in military formation saying, guess what? We're the military. What do you think you're going to do? Who do you think you are? Brothers standing with brothers. Sisters standing with sisters. That's what the church is supposed to be. A family of God. People standing with one another. People playing games with programs and nonsense and this and that. How to grow a church. How to do this. How to do that. Let's get back to the altar. Let's get the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's the power of God come down upon the church. Hallelujah. And burn out all the dross. Hallelujah. That we can move forward and put our hands to the plow and go forward and not look back to the past. They were willing to give up that easily. Poor Pastor Moses. How about God? They criticized him. They misunderstood God. And now they're complaining again. The work of the enemy is succeeding because if he can get a, 
us to doubt, entertain unbelief, murmur, and complain. He's winning and gaining the victory. How many people complain every day, every day, every day? Complain. It's like, stop complaining. What are you complaining about? You're living, you're still living in America. You go anywhere you want. It could be anything you want to be. There's help on every street corner. There's no reason to give up. So Moses, he's listening to these people and he's saying, what do I tell them, Lord? So listen to what God says to Moses in verse 13. Moses said to the people, fear you not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, and you shall see them no more again forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. I can just hear the Jewish people murmuring under their breath. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. yeah, Moses. Yeah, you, you know everything. Yeah, today's the day. Yeah, you, you know everything. <laughs> yeah, look, look, look where the situation we're in. They're on our backside. The mountains are here, and the Red Sea's there, and we have no boat. And there's about three million Jews here. Mm. And you're telling us, what? Be still? Be quiet? You know what the word be still means? It means the works of the flesh must cease. Moses was saying, shut your mouths. Because what's coming out is carnal thinking, carnal thoughts. Be quiet. Just be quiet. Why? Stand still and see what? And see the salvation of the Lord. What salvation? Spiritual sight. Hallelujah. Seeing yourself crossing over to the Red Sea. Praise God. Beyond your problems. People don't have spiritual sight. Because they, they give up. And they get weighed down. And then they commiserate with other people. Because misery loves company. <laughs> you see, fear not. What does that mean? He was saying this. You will see God's salvation, which the word salvation means deliverance. And you will see it today. This is a promise Moses is making. This is a pretty hefty promise. He said, the Egyptians whom you see now, you'll see no more. The Lord will fight for you. You will not have to fight. <laughs> Praise God. What? You would have, you, you're not even going to raise a sword. That's right. Don't even worry about it. God's going to take care of us. Didn't God tell us before that he's our fortress, that he would give us liberty, and that he would judge the Egyptians? You didn't hear the message. You didn't hear what God was saying. You're Jews. You know Hebrew. And you didn't get it. You know what names mean. That's why you name your children certain names, because you know the meaning of that name. You do it intently and on purpose. So here's what God was saying. He was saying the same thing that he said to Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament. He said, for thus saith the Lord to you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. We think we're in this alone. We think, man, I got to come up with a plan. Because God, he's just not talking to me today. And he must be on vacation. Or he must have fell asleep somewhere because he doesn't seem interested in my situation that seems to be a crisis in my life. Okay. Sometimes people think that their crisis is somebody else's emergency. That's right. Like, your crisis is not my emergency. Hear what I'm saying? That's what some people think. I'm in crisis. Come on, everybody, run. 
No, maybe we should stand still and see the salvation of the Lord first. And let's hear from God what his plan is. Because he always has a plan. Listen, I've never seen God not have a solution. If people want it. Listen to what God's saying. He's saying, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In Numbers 9 and 8, it says, stand still and hear what the Lord will command you. In 2 Chronicles 20 and 17, it says, stand still a while and see the salvation of the Lord. In 1 Samuel 9, 27, it says, stand still a while that I may show you the word of God. And in Job 37, 14, it says, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. What's God saying? In different portions of the Bible, he's saying, don't panic. That's what a lot of people are doing. They're panicking. And when you panic, you make stupid decisions. You just, you, you, you just go in error. You, you, you just go impulsive. You can't do that. You get, sometimes you just got to sit down. And sometimes you just got to sit down in quietness and say, Lord, speak. Don't even talk. Just let the Lord speak to your spirit and speak to your heart. You, you can't imagine what God would say to you. You can't imagine how much he loves you, how much he loves me, and how much he cares. And that he's always on time. You know, in the old church, they used to say he's an on-time God. Come on, man. He's an on-time God. He's been always on time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, so here's what happened. In verse 15, after God said, tell the people to stand still, and the Lord said to Moses, listen to this rebuke, why cry you to me? What? I thought I was your man. You are? But you're turned into a crybaby. Why are you crying to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Why are you crying? I've led you this far. I catch you 40 years on the other side of the desert. I appear to you in a burning bush. I sent you back to the place where you failed and murdered an Egyptian. I raised you up with a rod. And you did miracles. And you're crying. Because you're listening to them. And they're influencing you negatively. Moses, quit crying. Just give the people this message. Go forward. But then God said this to him. But lift up your rod. You know that rod that he gave him in the beginning. And stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the middle of the sea. Don't worry about what they're saying. Mistake a lot of pastors make. Worry about what people say. Who cares? As long as you know you're doing the will of God and you're preaching under the anointing of God, no one can touch you. They could try. People try to sabotage churches, try to undermine a pastor in a church. I want to tell you something. They'll never prosper. I've never seen it to prosper. I've always seen an abrupt end for some. Listen to what God is saying here. God was saying, cease the complaining to me. Stop praying and do something. You know, sometimes God says, stop praying. He says, speak to the mountain. Speak to it. Sometimes you got to speak to it. It's the creative power of God. That's how God spoke this world into existence. The Bible says he created the heavens and earth. How? He spoke it. 
And in the last day, it's the spoken word ministry, praise God, that comes through the power of God through his children. Hallelujah. Sometimes you've got to speak it and say, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Hmm. He says, go forward. And if you do this, then I'll do the following. Exodus 14, 17. And behold, I'll harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor on Pharaoh and on all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor on Pharaoh, on his chariots and on his horsemen. Here's what God is saying. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Don't you ever think that the enemies of God and the enemies of the church will ever get away with what they're doing. They won't. It's impossible. It's impossible by the word of God. Listen carefully. God gives divine protection. And we're under that divine protection this morning. The Bible says in verse 19, and the angel of God. Some people believe that this is the pre-incarnate Christ. Some people believe that the angel of God in some translations is a capital A, which represents Jesus. Because he did appear in the Old Testament. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. God is moving things here. What is he doing? And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and a darkness to the Egyptians, but it gave light by night to these so that not one came near the other all the night. What's God saying? First, the angel changes his position. Okay. Second, the cloud shifts. Third, darkness, praise God, in one camp and light in the other. God shuts out the lights to the Egyptians so they can't see. Now, wait a minute. Did this happen before? Absolutely. Because if you go back to the plagues in Exodus 10, 21, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They saw not one another, neither knows any from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Can you imagine? For three days, the Egyptians had no light, but praise God, hallelujah, there was light, hallelujah, in the Israeli camp. How did God do that? Because he's God. Shut the lights out here and put them on there. The cloud by day, praise God, is the air conditioning. And the pillar of fire by night was the heat that God gave them in the cool of the night. God has a plan, has a plan for you, my friend. People think that God has lost his mind or something, that he doesn't care about this world. Doesn't God know what's going on in the Ukraine? Doesn't God know what's going on in the Ukraine? Doesn't God know what's going on in the White House? Oh, he knows what's going on in the White House. Don't you can't worry about that. You think he's having a nervous breakdown in heaven, God? Like people on the earth? Having a nervous breakdown? Not the Lord. Listen, Moses said, he told Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea. Praise the Lord. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong wind all that night. 
and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the middle of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Moses stretched out his hand. The wind blew, the waters divided, the walls became ice, iced water, the ground was dry. Bible commentators say that the path was probably at least 12 miles wide and the walls maybe 75 to 100 feet high of ice of water that just built up. And the ground became dry. Think about that. Some people say, well, I don't believe in that miracle. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Because you do not shake the faith of God. And you will not shake the faith of the remnant church. The Bible says in verse 23, and the Egyptians pursued. (laughs) They just didn't get the message. You see, God, God put the lights out. You're still not getting it. And they went in after them into the middle of the sea. Praise God. Even all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked to the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels. Oh, boys, I think we got a flat tire here. Is there a mechanic in the house? Where are my mechanics? Dial them up. Get them on the radio. And the chariot wheels came off that they drove them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Oh, it's too late. It's just too late. A day late and a dollar short. Put your boxing gloves on with God. I said, put your boxing gloves on with God. And you'll lose. People think you're wise. Cunning. And people think we as Christians are stupid. We're not. The discerning spirit of God knows what it knows. You listen. The tide turns. And the Lord said to Moses, you see, the people went out across on dry ground. And the Lord said to Moses, here's the judgment. Stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come again on the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. When the morning appeared, listen carefully. And the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the middle of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. You see, the Red Sea brought death to Pharaoh. It brought death to Pharaoh. And God allowed it in the morning so that the Jewish people could shut their mouths and look on the shores and say... Look at those dead bodies being washed up on the shore. Those were the enemy that we were so afraid of. That was the enemy that we were so scared of. Think about that for a moment. You see, God knows how to tell people to be quiet. You're not that smart. I'm not that smart. But with the power of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom and knowledge of God, the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of this world. Listen as I try to close. The Bible says in verse 29, but the children of Israel walked on dry land in the middle of the sea 
and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did on the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. That day, the Lord saved Israel. That day, the Jewish people saw the Egyptians dead upon the shore. Israel saw the great miracle, praise God, of God making a path through the Red Sea and closing it, praise God, when they passed through. Israel feared the Lord. Israel believed in the Lord. Israel believed in Moses as the servant of the Lord. What happened? God had to do so much to get people to that place on the other side of their problem. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1 says this, But now thus saith the Lord that created you, O Jacob, and he that formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle on you. If you read further in the next chapter is Exodus 15, Moses sings. It was a long time that the Jewish people didn't sing for hundreds of years. There was no singing and no joy because they were being afflicted and they suffered at the hands of Pharaoh. But this was the first song of Israel on record. They never did sing in Egypt, but they sighed and they moaned because they were afflicted. But now they could now sing and say, we have seen the salvation of the Lord and we have walked on dry ground. Ladies and gentlemen, the message to the church this morning is this, that we need to be led by God. And that no matter what situation that we're involved in, no matter what problem or circumstance we're facing, Jesus says this, you can walk on dry ground because he can divide the Red Sea. Closing in Isaiah 51, 15, it says, but I am the Lord your God that divided the sea whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. God makes this proclamation in Isaiah 51, 15. I am the Lord your God that divided the sea. We'll not be able to solve our problems with human wisdom and reasoning, but God will give us the wisdom from above. And if any man lacks lacks that wisdom, the Bible says in James, for that man or woman to pray for that wisdom. Listen, I know some folks right now find themselves between a rock and a hard place, mountains on either side and the Red Sea in front. But I take comfort in the great escape. And I take comfort in the ultimate great escape operation evacuation that God will come one day and I know some people don't believe that anymore even in the church world because Peter warned us that they'll come in the last days scoffers and saying where is the promise of his coming he's coming we don't know when we don't know exactly today but friends he's coming and we will evacuate from this world let us pray Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning, the great escape, the children of Israel. What a lesson, Lord, to learn from these children of Israel and all that they went through and how God guided them, Lord, step by step. And how Moses, Lord, you raised him up to be the leader, to lead them across. We thank you, Lord, this morning for the word. We thank you for the power of God in our lives. And we thank you, Father, that even though we might see mountains on either side and the Red Sea before us, 
We know that God, the angel of the Lord, hallelujah, goes before us. The cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night was a type and shadow to come of the Holy Spirit in our life. We thank you for that symbolism. We thank you for the types and shadows in the Old Testament that have come to pass in the New Testament. And we know this, God, that one day, hallelujah, we'll look upon that shore also and see our enemies washed up. Lord, we don't wish that on, on, on anyone. Vengeance is not ours, but it's yours, O oh God. And judgment will come to this world as you give dire warning to this world. Even today, Lord, you give warnings to people to come to you, to come to Christ and be saved before it's too late. I pray, God, that you would bless the church, bless those that would view this sermon or listen to it. And God, we thank you for the word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for coming.